but I'm also like personally, I'm extremely risk averse. So I would never quit yeah. like all my jobs and burn all the bridges just to pursue something full time when I don't really know if it's going to work or if it's going to work out. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I always recommend is starting hybrid. So even if you have a full time job, you can like branch into this, try to find like one website project, work on it on the side, get a feeling for if it's even like for you or if self motivated environments are even for you. Welcome to another episode of the Liquid Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Meisterheim of Meisterheim Consulting. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Taylor Page, and our special guest this week, Jan Frey from CodingWithJan.com, all the way from Essen, Germany. Is that correct? Correct. It's Essen. 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 Yes. Got the essence of it, anyway. And uh, so, you know, feel free to yell so we can hear you, because it's a long way through those intertubes to, to make it all the way over here. So, thanks for joining us, Jan. Um, yeah, thanks here. so much for having me. Super excited to be here. What's going on? What's what's new in your guys' life? Um, Taylor, what's been happening? Yeah, so for me, I mean, not a whole lot, probably personal-wise. Um, it's just been, you know, kids are in school, so things are just kind of on autopilot. And so I've been able to get a whole bunch of things done work-wise. I'm feeling kind of on top of things. Um, some of the bigger things I've built for OnePlus organization, we built out a kind of a theme built bundler. I think we've talked about kind of different variations of this before. Um, you know, the, the cart API continues to be the best thing ever to happen uh, for theme devs. And so uh, was migrating that to one of their other sites as well. Um, and then, you know, another thing I was working on, which I haven't for a while and caused me to throw up a post uh, when I was talking about this episode was cart line attributes for some custom info on products. And I was, I was going back because there's that handy... Uh, Shopify resource that just gives you those cart line attributes or whatever real real simple I was like where did I find this first and it was in one of Jan's videos uh, from like four years ago and so I posted about it uh, you know and he's he's got an updated one but I obviously posted like the oldest version of it to show that I was a true fan uh, from from the very get-go uh, and those sorts of things uh, actually and and Thomas I think is the first person that I had oh. heard reference that, and then I just had to like watch all of uh, Jan's videos. So, uh, yeah. and then that, a lot of the fun stuff, just one page checkout uh, migrations uh, on plus, you know, that became widely available. And so everybody was all about it. And so we've been, been moving a lot of stuff around for that stuff and trying to figure out, you know, the uh, branding and stuff too. You can run some custom fonts uh, with the new checkout extensions, which is kind of, kind of cool. Uh, so I'm still working through some of that stuff, but You've been busy. So, yeah, yeah, man. It's it's been a minute. So, you know, gotta gotta keep keep moving, keep rolling. So how about you? What what have you uh what have you been up to? Oh, well, I don't I can't follow that act. So I've done almost no, no work in the Shopify space the last two weeks. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to redo a whole bunch of migration stuff for that big project I complained about earlier. Yeah. And um so that took I spent 25, 26 hours in one week just rerunning migrations and updating my script to add additional fields from base i'm sorry big commerce to come over into shopify correctly dealt mm -hmm. with a few little outlying bugs and then did a lot of work so that i didn't have to manually intervene as much because we were importing three hundred and thirty thousand records and i was getting like a one or two percent failure rate in terms of like things i had to manually intervene on which you know it's not a lot but when you have three hundred thirty thousand, it is a lot right and um, so I spent you know, some extra time up front tweaking the script to kind of account for those and got it all done. And uh, the whole migration happened. I mean, it wasn't just me. It was a whole team that was working on it. So everyone did a lot of good work. And it's nice to see that out the door and uh, not to think about that for a while. Um, the other big news on my front is uh, today I took my son. I've got a routine in the morning where I take my youngest, who's not quite two, on a rock for about an hour or two to get him out of the house to get my other uh, kids and my wife some time to do their homeschooling stuff. And we go mm -hmm. looking for school buses. That's his big dream in life is to walk around the stroller, eating goldfish crackers while I push him around. We find all the school buses. We've got all the stops it's mapped out. We know when they come, where they're going to be. In addition, we also have a map of all the lawn ornaments. It's like where all the ducks and the geese and the rabbits and things are in people's lawns. So we've got this whole system. But this week, this morning, just something fell off. I was like, what is going on? Just the whole neighborhood feels different somehow. And that's when I realized it was a day off school today. There were no school buses. My son was crushed. It was a terrible start to the day. No. We did see one garbage truck in the distance, and so that kind of made up for it, because that's another thing. Garbage trucks are pretty fun. 
still yeah. to this but no day. one here wants to listen to this <laughs> podcast for that purpose so i'm sorry i have so little shopify related work to share but jan's here so jan what have you been doing and rescue me from yeah yes uh yeah uh, of course um so it's getting cooler in germany um so putting in a bit more work right now um then obviously working with the students in our boot camp that's an ongoing thing mm -hmm. um and then beyond that yeah some theme some things in between the team um and i also ramped up content creation again um which you might have seen on youtube or some linkedin posts mm -hmm. um which i'm like still scripting and recording myself um, but yeah, maybe we can get into that a bit later because um, I think yeah. creating some form of content or like the personal branding aspect is still very important, uh, which ties perfectly into today's episode, I think. Awesome. Speaking of today's episode, let's just go ahead and jump in. So we're really excited to have Jan here because most of you probably know him from the context of his Shopify content has either been shared in Liquid Weekly or you've stumbled upon it on YouTube. But when you get to know Jan, there's so much more to him than simply Shopify, like his passion, and I'm sure he'll share this in a second, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but to help people become better developers, whether they're starting from zero or whether the people like Taylor and I who are constantly referring to his videos to help us get over whatever hump we're facing in our current job. And so this is going to be a really interesting conversation for all you folks that are tuning in with us because we'll get to hear exactly how he's going about that, how he can help each of us become better as developers and all of his Shopify expertise. So strap in, this is going to be a good one. Let's go ahead and jump in. Jan, tell us more about this idea of branding and finding work of being a developer. Um, yes, so I mean, first of all, thanks so much for the for the kind words and the awesome intro. I'll take that. Of course. Um, maybe for someone who's like new to this or haven't has, haven't seen or hasn't she, hasn't seen the channel before. Um, so my name is Jan. I run one of the biggest YouTube channels on Shopify development at forty thousand subscribers, huh. and yeah, I made it my career to help people learn how to code and then also help them either succeed with freelancing or find a full-time job, depending on what the person prefers. Um, and yeah, I think especially these days, as you guys might know, when looking for jobs or when looking for freelance gigs, the one thing that matters most is experience. And then um, I feel, yeah, personal branding is a super important aspect of that, building a portfolio, all these kinds of things, um, because it's one of the best ways to showcase your experience and yeah, basically display your track record. How do you want to go about this? What do we want to talk about first? Well, if it were my preference, I always liked, so I'm a Marvel movie fan to some extent, if you like those. And every great hero and villain, but hero in this case, has a backstory. So could you give just like a really concise story? Like how did you arrive at this place of your passion being helping people become developers and finding those jobs? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, long story, I'll, I'll try to make it short. Um, so I actually studied mechanical engineering. Um, I wrote it in my LinkedIn post recently, uh, which is maybe, yeah, besides having a good taste for beer, the most German thing one can do. Um, but yeah, I didn't stay for long. And then um, I was looking for, for things I could potentially do on my own um, and then stumbled upon web development because like with so many small businesses out there, um, I felt confident that I... Yeah, would potentially be able to sell them website services because everyone needs a website, right? Um, and yeah, this is how I first got started myself, then worked my way up into Germany's fastest growing Shopify agency, where I was a developer for almost or for a little above two years. And then, yeah, started the YouTube channel on the side, just teaching things that I was struggling with in the beginning, uh, like some Shopify JavaScript stuff, theme stuff, development. And that got a little bit of traction. And then since I'm such a big, fan and believer in online education this is how the bootcamp emerged met a business partner who i'm working with till this day his name is aaron um and yeah then we founded our bootcamp which we've been doing for like three years taylor also involved as a mentor which is awesome um and yeah we can talk more about that but that's like the story in a nutshell awesome. story. thank you yeah, yeah that's good no radioactive spiders or anything that's okay though <laughs> yeah so i mean i think that that is really it's it's really good to hear kind of like the backstory there's there's a lot of that i think in the field where you kind of like pivoted right you started kind of going one way and then you you kind of you know there's this idea of like kind of like following your passion a little bit uh as well so i think that's really amazing to hear from that piece and and so maybe a good place to start because you're talk, we're talking kind of like a bit, little bit about that like finding work branding getting the experience and those sorts of things you know how did you make kind of that initial leap uh, from the agency side of things to you know 
really doing doing more things independently because I think a lot of folks that's one of the biggest um, things to get over initially is you know you're you're going from working for somebody else to transitioning more to this idea of working for yourself and did it did it start off as that was the goal or did it just kind of evolve that way kind of you were kind of like led by like this passion to like teach others and help build up others oh that's an interesting one i would say a little bit of both um mm -hmm. but i'm also like personally i'm extremely risk averse so i would never quit yeah. like all my jobs and burn all the bridges just to pursue something full-time when i don't really know if it's gonna work or if it's gonna work out um, mm -hmm. So that's what I always recommend is starting hybrid. So even if you have a full-time job, you can like branch into this, try to find like one website project, work on it on the side, get a feeling for if it's even like for you or if self-motivated environments are even for you. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're also a second career dev. Uh, what was yes. your strategy back then? Was it hard cut or transition? No, I, the same. I, I do did the same thing on my end of things as far as like that kind of like that hybrid approach. Uh, mine, mine was a hard pivot too from social work to web development. And so it was uh, just, yeah, getting that experience for a long time with freelancing. That was just nights and weekends uh, trying to find a, find a foothold, so to speak, in this different world. And so, yeah, I, I would definitely agree that hybrid approach worked out very, very yeah. well for me. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Kai? Yeah, so for me, I went right into programming as a career. I knew pretty much straight away going into university that's what I wanted to do. And then I, I quit after two years um, and went into ministry, actually working with the church movement in, in the U.S. that works with college students. But I kind of did the reverse thing of what you guys did, which is I kept, I kind of got back into programming on nights and weekends on the side and then eventually transitioned back into programming full time. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that's really helped me along the way, too, is um, I renegotiated at different times for my work to not be full-time so i could work mm -hmm. for companies but be less than full-time and have that additional time because the night to weekends thing works but once you start having kids once life gets a little busier it becomes a lot harder once you get older yeah. honestly i just get more tired <laughs> at night you know it's not like, <laughs> like it used to be i don't want to be working nights and weekends all the time man <laughs> That's yeah right. i want to watch some cutting with yawn videos tonight i don't want to work yes. i just want to sit in front of yes. youtube right Hey, so. that's working. That's that's time on the clock as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, Jan's it's an, teaching it's me stuff. It's enjoyment. But so yeah, the hybrid thing, you know, I think especially with people who are working from home more and with all the resources we have on the web, like the ability to exist in both spaces, your regular job and then kind of moving in more and more towards that other area, it's so much easier to do than any other time in history. So yeah. it's doable. It just can be challenging depending on your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually got a good idea here. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to take over the podcast. That's what you're <laughs> here yours. for. Take, take over. over. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe we can actually demystify the thing or the, the process of getting the first client a little bit. Um, because I would be super curious to hear how you guys got your first client. I can also share my story. Um, <laughs> but people always think like there's this huge secret to it or there's like some mystery about it. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, just an idea here. That'd be fun. I'm up for it. Tell you for it. Let's do it. I'm trying right. to think back to my very first. I'll go client. first. I remember. So <clears throat> I'm going to start with the university. I had a couple of things going on in high school, but let's start with the university. So I'm in the university. I'm sitting there thinking I need some money. And uh, I'll look at the student newspaper. This is back in the late 90s, early aughts. So there were still newspapers, right? And I grab the newspaper. I'm sitting at lunch looking through the classifieds. And like, oh, Linux systems administrator. I mean, I know Linux. Like that was one of the things I kind of taught myself in high school. It was a lot of fun. I thought worth a shot and i had a friend who was doing some consulting so i asked him like well what should i even ask these guys like you know if i go in and offer to do this job they're gonna ask me what my rate is like what should i even say he's like oh dude you should ask him for 50 dollars an hour like 50 dollars an hour like this is back when most people were making like eight bucks an hour you know mm -hmm. i was like well i really don't have anything to lose so i went in did the interview and at the end like oh you know what, what would you ask for your rate and i said 50 dollars an hour like oh okay and uh they said, yeah. And so that's how I got my first job. I just kind of went in, went in hard and started from there and I ended up working for them for many years, both as a student and then full time after college and then as a consultant after that. Um, but that initial nice. experience gave me the confidence and it doesn't always work out. Obviously, I was pretty mm -hmm. lucky, but it gave me the confidence that, you know, you there's so many opportunities out there. You just don't know how the chips are going to fall. Why not ask for what you think you're worth when I ask for um, a good rate and to see what happens because it's possible. Yeah. Nice. I think, I think my first like client, I'm trying to think of my very first 
but really i'll think i think i think back to probably when things really started my first shopify client how about how about i do that one because i'd done little bits and pieces of things on the side and it, and it was always like f- friends right or whatever or friend of my wife's or something like that and so there wasn't really any any real um money to be made there kind of type thing but really my first client that i got i got on upwork as much as upwork gets kind of some negativity and those sorts of things so i used used that i saw there's another YouTuber that I follow, um, Brad Traversy, um, and he's he's got some great content as well. I was kind of a generalist at the time, um, but I kind of got to this point where it's like, hey, like I had just, just done this job with another person in a local web dev community. I just helped him out. Turned out it was for a big plus client. I was like, oh, I should try Shopify. And so I started applying for these Shopify jobs, and that was my very first one was just helping them you know, fix these problems with this app. So I just communicated with this dev to get some things fixed on a bundler. Uh, and, you know, it, it all worked great. Uh, so got a couple of, you know, positive reviews because they sign up for another gig. So after that, things just started snowballing from there. Uh, really just it was those first couple of uh, good responses that I got from there from finding Shopify specifically mm-hmm. as a way to start, you know, getting clients. What about you, Jan? Yeah, oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, for me, it was kind of similar. So I was learning web development on the side because like coming from this engineering background, I didn't know, I, I knew a little bit about coding, but not so much about web development specifically. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing this course on like how to do, how to, how to build websites. And the guy was uh, was such a, such a fantastic teacher. And in the end, he also said, okay, try to get like a simple project first, maybe build a website for someone with a basic contact form or whatever. And I remember when I was talking about web, web development stuff I was doing at work at my like current job. Um, at one at one day, randomly, another colleague approached me, and he was he was saying, "Hey, Jan, I heard you're doing this web development stuff. Could you also build an e-commerce website?" And I remember the guy in the course. He said, "Start with something simple, contact form, whatever. Don't start with e-commerce." He said specifically, and I was <laughs> like, hmm, "Could I build an e-commerce website?" Yeah, probably I could. And then I just <laughs> told him I can. And I remember that day going home, like researching all day into, into the night, um, like how to set this up. And then it ended up being WordPress and WooCommerce because back then I didn't even know about Shopify. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my very first project, 500 bucks for a local coffee shop. Like his wife had a uh, had a coffee shop and they were also roasting beans. Um, nice. And then, yeah, setting them online. My first gig, first paid work ever. Um, probably a little undervalue, which happens to most, I guess. But um yeah, just mm-hmm. getting paid for the learning experience. It was just like mind blowing for me back then. Yeah. And you didn't have to write it in Java, which is surprising because it was a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. That's really cool, Jan. So that reminds me a little bit. Have you guys ever heard of this concept of something called a luck sale? No, not really. But no, it sounds like we had <laughs> I didn't one. make this up. Someone else <laughs> came up with this. And it applies, I think, to lots of aspects of business, but I think it's particularly apt to this current conversation. So I think people can look at these stories or look at other developers and really think, oh, man, they just got lucky. Or, they got that great mm. opportunity. Or how did that happen? That'll never happen for me. And the idea of a luck sale, again, I, I'm sorry whoever came up with that. I don't remember who it was, but it's this idea that, you know, there's there's luck. Yeah, but really you can be intentional about building a luck sale, which is this idea of like a, a big sale captures a lot of wind. Don't. Okay, I was afraid, I was afraid the effect thing was going to kick in. Um, you can do activities as a developer, as a freelancer, to sort of construct a ethereal sort of sale that will actually increase your chances of catching that luck. And so that's things like mm-hmm. Taylor working on Upwork and starting a bunch of gigs and just seeing uh, when you're going to get that client that really recognizes you for the worth that you have, or like Jan taking on that initial sort of thing and, and taking some small projects until you actually get the one that sort of clicks, right? And the more that you do that, uh, the more opportunity you have for that luck that we all think is just kind of out there and unavailable to us. But really, it's there, and it'll, it'll hit your sale and propel you forward. So, yeah, one thing yeah, to I think about. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I've not art... heard the term before, but I think yeah, that's a lot. Like Jan, probably what you're what you're talking about and like leaning into here with building a portfolio uh, and those sorts of things. Kind of working on like I, I think a lot of developers in general like will stray away from all of us really want to stray away from this idea of like branding, like building a personal brand, uh, you know, but when you're doing those sorts of things, that's, that's what you're doing. I had somebody say something similar to me at one point where I was, he was like, well, you're kind of just building a personal brand. You're, you know, when you're you know posting about you this are, kind of type yeah. stuff or you're, you're kind of engaging these sorts of things. It's like, I've literally never thought about it this way. Cause it, it feels kind of weird. Right. I don't know if you, you had that same kind of feeling or like, how'd you get over that? This idea of, 
of like you need to have this personal brand in order uh, really for you to get where you need to be. Yes, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, I like to think about it as follows. Um, I mean, this first experience I had where I talk, where I talked to my colleagues about my web development journey and. Uh, they told it to other people and then suddenly this project originated somehow. It was all due to the reach I had back then, right? There was like a couple of people mm. I talked to, some awareness created. And I always think the more people that know you or the more people that know you for what you do is always going to be a good thing because some opportunities may come back or some uh, yeah, some things might might come up. And the idea of building a personal brand is very similar in that sense. This idea that more reach will eventually help you because more opportunities will come around. Um, right. I think that's pretty important. And I mean, there's like not a single week where Tyler doesn't doesn't show up in my LinkedIn feed, for example. I constantly get reminded about him. And um, yeah, when I think like maybe Shopify developer or then immediately Tyler comes to mind because he's like posting about this all the time. And that's that's the idea of associating mm -hmm. your name with a specific thing. And I think right. that always helps. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to where it was just like the same thing. You're like, you keep popping up in my feed. So, you know, apparently yeah. I need to talk to you about this or whatever. And I'm, I don't do anything, you know, specific. And you know, I don't know if you have a more targeted approach. My, my goal is to try to have a presence. And wherever I am, I'm trying to provide value. Like that's that's my whole strategy. And so I try to make sure I post like once a week on different platforms like like LinkedIn, Twitter and stuff like that or whatever. It ends up being more on LinkedIn and Twitter because I've actually gotten jobs from there. So double down on what's effective, right? When you can. Yeah. But I don't know if you have, where, where do you tell people to start then? And when we're talking about that, like building that sale, yeah. trying to catch that luck, trying to catch that recognition. Where, where, how why do aren't you on start Twitter? That? <laughs> ah, why aren't you on Twitter? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, He's coming okay, after so yeah, Jan Twitter, now. I think, oh, I, yeah. Okay. So, so the the Twitter thing thing first. Uh, you might actually be surprised that Twitter is not as common of a social network in Germany as it's maybe in the U.S. Um, no, I, I would say that. Yeah. It's, it's probably as common as having weird. Skype or something like that. Um, <laughs> oh. Okay. Obviously, yeah, I, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not even kidding. <laughs> <It hurts. laughs> and um, so yeah, most people use Facebook. They use Instagram, but Twitter is mm -hmm. is is very rare. And obviously, in the dev community, mm. a bit more. And I know that there's like a lot of developer stuff going on, especially in the Shopify space. Um, yeah. But then I don't know YouTube, and then now LinkedIn just came to me a bit more naturally. So it just yeah, yeah. So there's no. I think there's I don't a lesson Twitter in that. Anything. There's a lesson in that, right? Like I spend a majority of my time on LinkedIn and Twitter, but there's there's Instagram, there is Facebook, there is there's Threads now, there's TikTok, but I don't I don't spend hardly any time on those just because I don't I don't find value there. And it sounds like you do the same. Twitter doesn't provide a lot of value necessarily for what you're trying to do, so you don't spend time there. Yeah, yeah, I haven't even tried it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, it would be it would be interesting potentially. Um, I, I actually should do that honestly, but uh, yeah, just just didn't get to it yet. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of the question regarding where to start, um, mm -hmm. that's actually exactly what I recommend people starting in their personal network, because maybe they already have a friend who could need a website or a friend of a friend or something like that. And yeah. if they're brave, they can also post on their social medias, because I mean, most of us, even as like a private person, we do have a couple hundred connections across all of these. And yeah. I mean, a couple hundred people, that's like, I mean, my high school were maybe like 500 people. And that's like a big amount of people, right? That's like not nothing. Yeah. Um, so that's usually what I recommend in terms of starting out. And then there's also some predictable ways such as Upwork, freelancing profiles. Um, yeah, if you can optimize these and, and make a professional impression, it is very likely that you can find some work or get some traction that way, build up your first reviews, these kind of things. Um, so yeah, that's mm -hmm. usually what we recommend augmentative or as an alternative. And that's, that's a good place to, so when you talk about getting reviews, so I, I yeah. have a number that I tell people. I don't remember if I got this from you. So I'm curious, what do you, cause everyone has this idea, right? Where we have to get like 50 reviews or something like that before we can start increasing pricing or before we can really start doing all these other things. How, how many reviews are you encouraging people to get before they really start focusing more on the work than they are necessarily on like reviews or your biggest goal kind of type thing? Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, I usually recommend, I, I mean, 50 sounds a lot because 50 projects, that takes that time <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I would I would say even after the first two, three good reviews, you can already increase mm -hmm. by like 10, 20, maybe 30% um, and just see if you can find work that way. Because if you can get more work, perfect. Keep building reviews, keep raising prices. And mm -hmm. the market will tell you brutally honest whether or not you're overcharging for how professional yeah. your profile looks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important too to keep in mind that the people that you're going after, the potential customers or clients, like they don't know how you feel inside. And so present yourself as a professional because you're doing professional work. And most of us, I think, at some point are constantly struggle with imposter syndrome. So when we go Mm -hmm. to approach that customer, we go try to get that gig. Immediately, we we try to underprice or we think that's not going to work for us or we couldn't do that. Or they're going to see that I'm a fraud. I don't have this long track record of of successful projects. Those things matter to some extent, right? But what matters even more is your self-confidence, your ability to present that front of being a professional and then acting like one. That's really the fallmark, uh, the litmus test of whether you are professional. Are you getting paid to do the work and are you acting and treating your client like a professional would? Um, but those feelings are sort of incidental, right? So I think that's an mm. important mindset to have when you approach this stuff. Yes. Yeah, I think I think that's an, that's an extremely important point. And there are so many subtle hints and clues that people pick up on. Um, it starts from like having a professional photo with like okay or decent lighting at least mm-hmm. and then also the descriptions that you have like the titles you put the description you put on your profile then uh, I think Taylor mentioned that a couple I think it was years ago but he said like things like showing up to meetings in time like mm-hmm. <laughs> all these kind of things right it's so important um, and all that adds to your professional impression yeah definitely and and you know kind of like tied to that the imposter syndrome and like the feelings and those sorts of things because you, you you started in like the agency world right and then you started making the videos and those sorts of things which that with a lot of devs a uh, lot, lot of people just in general they don't like being on camera you know that that initial bit of confidence even if you're recording something and putting it out there for everybody to see and over time obviously mm-hmm. you know you get better at it because you you practice more you know you start to become more comfortable with it but what I don't know if you could maybe talk about that a little bit because as a, you know, whether you're freelancing or you're doing those sorts of things, maybe some of the things that you did to help make you more comfortable, whether it was just, I'm, I'm just, just being so determined to put out videos or did you have a lot of like client facing time when you were working for the agency? A lot of devs that are working for agencies, they don't have a lot of client face time, right? They're just, they're just hands on keys uh, all the time kind of type thing. So I don't know if you can talk maybe a little bit about that, the the things that they can do to build up that confidence where they're talking to clients, they're communicating uh, relatively, you know, complex, uh, you know, things in a simple enough way for people who are non-technical to understand. I don't know if you can maybe give some pointers there about that because there there's a bit of that, right? Whatever yeah. role you're doing as a dev. Yeah. So so in the agency, we usually had project managers talking to the clients or client facing, mm-hmm. and then obviously the devs on the um, technical side. But there were instances where the devs would also join the calls, maybe to explain a feature mm-hmm. or to hand over some some things. Um, so there was definitely client-facing activities. I never did the sales side of things, but since it's like a small agency, uh, like it's like 30 people, right? You, you get to see the different depa- departments. You get to know the people. You see how they work. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, you can also just ask. That's one of the beauties of working yeah. in a smaller company ever, like over like a big corporate um, company. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was very insightful and it also helped to develop a bit of confidence, just seeing how professionals like do all of that. And yeah, then as far as maybe the YouTube videos goes or like being in front of the camera, um, YouTube was one of the formats that I consumed a lot. So then I thought, okay, if tutorials, then obviously should be like on a platform I'm familiar with, or like where I have a sense of what's, what works kind of. Um, and I still left every single YouTube video that I ever recorded up on the channel. So you can scroll back four years, check out That's the very first one. I was able one. to share a post for four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And if you, if, you, if you check out the very first one, I wasn't even on camera because I was too shy, to be honest. Um, yeah. So it was just screen share. And then mm. I was like, it, it's actually crazy because I was used to speak in front of like people in person, like maybe 20 yes. people, 30 people, no worries, but or no problem. But on the internet, there was still like this daunting thing where it's like, oh damn will i get haters will i get like mean comments no one hates on a tutorial like ever (laughs) no one even takes the time no one even cares um but yeah it it was too daunting and then after the first video and after a bit of good feedback i thought okay this is like perfect for people this is helpful and then i decided let's be on camera why not that's awesome i think i think people interact better too when you're on camera right yeah instead that, of just the, the screen thing. share i think they that's do. the thing makes it more trustworthy um but i mean mm-hmm. how, how was it for you or how is it for you now i mean is it completely normal at this point because for me it's still sometimes you know it's yeah you know. it's it's still well you know like yeah you, you get on with some people and you're like oh my gosh this person's so much smarter than me every week i'm on with carl i'm just worried he's gonna make me look silly you know but he's kind <laughs> to me usually so <laughs> thankfully but 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I started off that way because I did the thing where you know you send little videos to clients when you're like sending a proposal, and so I would just do a quick little recording and and I used to no joke for a one minute video it would take me twenty minutes because I would record <laughs> it I'd watch it I'd be like this is terrible and then I'd start over again and I I finally after. I don't know, like two or three months of doing that uh, ridiculousness or whatever you put in the, the reps of the work, you just kind no. of get to the point where you're a lot more comfortable with it. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it, I think it is one of those things, even, even me, my, my past job was uh, being a social worker. And so I was used to interacting with, engaging with people all the time. Um, I was a supervisor, so I was used to, you know, training, talking to groups of people at a time and those sorts of things. And, but yeah, when you get to the point where you're trying to, you know, do this from the technical side or whatever, maybe that's what it is. I'm not sure. Uh, there is a lot of that. Oh, no, like, I don't want to look I don't want to look stupid. So uh, but yeah, you just it, it takes a little bit of time. But uh, yeah, you definitely build that up. Carl's just always been really good at speaking to other people. He's never experienced any of this. So, well, honestly, I mean, for me, it really comes down to when you have a face that's as handsome as I have, you really cannot choose to withhold it from humanity. Uh, it's a moral imperative. No, the speaking thing's interesting. It's it's weird. I two things have helped me. One is I have a father who just is very natural in terms of how he approaches people like at restaurants and just out and about. I just kind of adopt that as, as well. Just I like the ability to quickly connect with someone. It doesn't bother me. It's not a deep, in, intimate kind of thing. And I feel that's sort of similar how it is on these kinds of um, recordings of things. The other thing is I have enough experience in public speaking and doing other sort of things or realize that when you first do it, it just feels terrible. It's always going to feel awful. You're always going to feel like it went terrible and you didn't do a good job, blah, blah, blah. You just got to get over it. The more you do it, the more comfortable you feel. So even when Taylor and I decided to do this podcast together, I just realized, okay, the first few episodes are just going to stink. I'm going to feel like they stink anyway, right? And that's just part of it. And the more you do it, you build that muscle. You build that ability to do it well. You get better audio equipment, <clears throat> which I will soon, things like that. And uh, it just goes from there. <laughs> the thing is, nobody cares. Right. Like that's we right. all think it's this big deal. Taylor thinks I think he's stupid. I don't think you're stupid, Taylor. I, I think you're awesome. Oh, um, thanks, man. That's so people nice. On the internet, to they're not, you know, waiting I'm around. So glad to, we're recording. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can edit that out to leave me in comments. <laughs> no one cares. Just just do it. Right. Have a good time doing it. And at the end of the day, you do it for yourself. And hopefully people get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, a little bit more maybe on, on this and then we can, I, I know we have some listener submitted questions, so I definitely want to get to this, but I, I think this is some of this initial talking points here is definitely like really important to kind of mention as well, because I think we've talked a little bit about agency life. We've talked a little bit about freelancing, consulting, and those sorts of things. But I think especially there there is some merit probably when you're, when you're younger, you don't have a lot of professional experience in general, and you're kind of just trying to maybe get a job at a small agency or something like that. You want to try to find a full-time job. You don't have a degree or anything like that. Maybe you've done the boot camp uh, or, or something like that. So, you know, what would you recommend or what do you recommend to people when they're trying to land something more like a full-time job uh, when they don't have a degree as yes. well? You know, that's, that's the, again the, the where do you start but i think that's where a lot of people get stuck is the how how do i get stu- started here right also very important um okay so as we talked earlier the one thing that matters most when applying for jobs is experience right because people want to see experience um mm. and if you don't have any degrees then what we usually recommend is at, is potentially even look into freelancing because the barrier of entry is a bit lower um, mm-hmm. Just like we talked, like self-taught web development, then stumbled upon a few clients, maybe build a coffee shop website. And that alone is like so much more impressive than saying, okay, here's my JavaScript toy calculator type of project, or here's my YouTube yes. clone. Because then you can say, hey, I've built like this website for a local coffee shop. It was completely self-motivated in terms of learning, in terms of like going out there and doing the things. Um, and... I actually landed my agency uh, agency job in person. So I knew they were hosting mm. these e-commerce Shopify meetups in my area or more or less in my area. I would say three to five hour car radius. Yeah. Um, but I still felt worth or it would be worth going on these meetups. Um, and they also, it, there was also like such an outlet because in my friend circle, no one was even doing web development or Shopify. Yeah. And there was a time when I could really talk about this stuff with like other people and got me so hyped and excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, after showing up to a couple of these meetups, obviously you also get to know the host. And then I was just asking them, hey, are you guys hiring? Are you looking for people? 
And then it's like this kid who shows up at all your meetups, who's like already been freelancing a bit. Like, why wouldn't you hire him or give him a chance at least? Right. Yeah. And that's such that's such an undervalued approach to that. And and I know, you know, COVID kind of changed that a little bit in some respects with, with how like we do meetups and those sorts of things. But I, I definitely I love that you do that because I I really recommend that I had a when I lived in Missouri, there was a great uh, Springfield devs, uh, group that was just a whole bunch of different, different kinds of developers, right? You've got app developers, uh, just general web developers and, and all these different walks, but there's great agency participation mainly because, you know, they, they worked so hard to build this up over time and it was just so great. I had the same thing, you know, especially when I was a social worker, <laughs> no, none of the other people that I worked with, like knew anything about tech either. Yes. So that was a great way, you know, to get in there. And, and I really like that you talked about too like freelancing is an opportunity to get experience because i think a lot of agencies you know or places that are looking to hire like i said it's it's way more you know impressive if you can say hey like i landed this job myself and i did this project because you know a, a really undervalued aspect of you know work in general is the soft skills right we talk a lot about like having the technical knowledge um, and those sorts of things, but the soft skills of interacting with people uh, and all these other things or what have you, uh, jobs really, really need to see that. And so if you can't yeah. showcase that in some way, uh, it's going to be really hard for you to outperform people who maybe do have, you know, five years of experience with another agency or, or another position and those sorts of things. So those are, those are some awesome, awesome points there. Yes. I think along with that too, I think, and this is kind of what you were saying, Jan, but um, other ways I've seen success is when you do a side project, if you can not just do a toy calculator, right? But if you can actually do something that sort of spans the the spectrum, uh, that analogy is right, but where it's a, a piece of functionality that you host somewhere and that you get people to come to you, market it, right? Potentially even having people pay for it, depending on what it is, right? If you can demonstrate that complete ownership of all aspects of that project and have it somewhere where a potential client or more likely a potential employer you can point to them as a portfolio piece. I think that speaks volumes mm -hmm. to being able to see you as a developer, not just someone out of a boot camp who can pair it back a few lines of React, but you actually show how to pull the strings yeah. and in it all together. That's a big thing I think that separates sort of a really junior developer from maybe a more seasoned developer is uh, how to bring it all into one piece and make it work. That is, yeah, 100%. that is also very true. Uh, however, one thing or one one caveat to that or one one thing to pay attention to is, especially if you want to take the freelance route first, then mm. I would highly recommend adding related projects. Because if you approach like Shopify store owners and then only have the JavaScript calculator type of project, right, right. Yeah. it's like, ah, right. is this guy the right one? How's this going <laughs> right? to work for me, right? I don't need yeah. a calculator on the site. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. oh, for sure, it's contextual, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, so, but, so, but yeah, don't just do, I think, yeah, don't just do the portfolio project, right? Make it, make it relevant to what you're trying to do. I think that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, for sure. Right, yeah. 100%. Yeah, that is really important. Yeah, because that's, it doesn't matter, you know, if it, you know, you know, as someone technical, like, oh, well, if I can build this then I can build, you know, I can build your little in-cart upsell, like that's no problem. <laughs> this is way more complicated, but they don't know that, you know, you, you have to make it, you know, something that they can actually, uh, you know, understand to that degree. So, so, so Jan, as you work with students and getting people who maybe have very little experience to becoming developers, when, when I was getting started and maybe Taylor to some extent, but more that may see myself, the web was much simpler, right? Uh, you hmm. just threw stuff in a folder. It was CGI bin or whatever, and it kind of worked. Now you got a lot more that you have to put into it. You got the source control. Hopefully, you know some command line stuff, CSS, HTML, JavaScript, potentially a JavaScript framework, all sorts of things. How does somebody who has none of that context or experience get to a place where they have enough confidence in those areas that they can present themselves to a, a employer or a client? Does that make sense? Yes, what would absolutely. you say are the key things they need to add? Not just the programming chops, but the ecosystem around it. Like, what are the things they need to look for? Yes, that is uh, that is one of the beauties of working with low-code platforms initially, or like mm. Shopify, for example, could name any, but I mean, obviously I'm a bit biased here. <laughs> um, <laughs> <I hope. laughs> um, so yeah, so I think if you're getting started with Shopify, like realistically, you could even build an online store without knowing any code. But we still recommend yeah. knowing like the basics of HTML, CSS, so that you can maybe make some theme customizations, build a custom section on top. And that's usually when we send people out to get their first freelance jobs. Because, for example, mm -hmm. the coffee shop page, they could do now, right? 
And um, yeah, as they go, obviously more challenges will um, will occur and they will stumble upon more complex projects. So mm -hmm. that's when potentially picking up JavaScript is a good idea or maybe even React if you get like to the advanced stages. Um, so again, I would always start, I, I would always say start small, try to get the ball rolling, get some traction, ideally paid learning if possible, because they will also motivate you in your journey. And then, yeah, build up the freelance portfolio if possible. Then you can either decide if you want to start, like, okay, initially it's easier to start in a small agency or a smaller company. Yeah, some people just want to go straight to like the top fang companies or meta as it's now like, right? Really? Manga as it's now called. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's unlikely. I, I mean, realistically, your chances of getting into Google as your very first developer job, especially without a degree is like very slim to none. <laughs> and um, yeah, therefore I would recommend first starting in an agency. And if you've worked in an agency for a bit, then you can think of applying in like medium-sized companies maybe. Um, and yeah, we also had some or a lot of students where that actually worked out. So now we have some who work at Ubisoft in Canada or Lufthansa, which is like a German airline. Um, and they all started in Shopify agencies, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the entry into the tech world. Gotcha. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is two things. One is there's sort of two contexts. One is if you want to pursue freelancing versus if you want to like look for an actual employer job, there's some different strategies around those. The other biggest takeaway, I think, for me is that if you are hearing this conversation or you're thinking about coding and you're just looking at all this world that you just have no knowledge about and you're feeling discouraged, that there are paths forward for you. And like Jan said, low-code platforms like Shopify could be an excellent way to make that progression because you can get going from day one without having to have all that additional knowledge or context around tooling, command line, things like that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, exactly. Awesome. What do you, is this a good place, do you think? Probably we should get into some listener submitted questions. Yeah, let's do it. I've we've got a handful, and I think we can talk about a couple of them for a little bit here. So one of the one of the first things that we, we put out there, uh, and and we're gonna leave this up. Or I think Carl, that's that's our plan is to make this available to folks as well. They can submit questions on the regular kind of type thing. Uh, but one of the questions that we did get specifically, and we're gonna have Jan on, uh, that people wanted to ask about is uh, really, and this is all pretty related to like things that we're talking about between freelancing, you know, getting those initial jobs and those sorts of things. So uh, one, one listener asked, uh, with the current layoffs in other IT sectors, what's your view on the demand for Shopify developers? Are agencies uh, looking for developers right now? Yes, really interesting one as well. So, I mean, we all heard about the news, um, massive tech companies laying off tons of developers. <clears throat> but I will also mm -hmm. say this was mostly in larger companies. And I mean, in the US alone, I've actually looked this up. There are like 30 million small businesses. And I'm pretty sure some of them might need a developer. Um, uh -huh. Most of them don't have that visibility or that reach to attract like large talent or like a large quantity of talent. Mm -hmm. um, and then also keep in mind the developers that got laid off in these top tech companies, um, they have way higher salary expectations than these small businesses could potentially pay. Right. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of demand for like developers in smaller companies. And if we're talking Shopify specifically, um, I think, I mean, like two, three years ago, there were like 2 million Shopify stores. Now I've actually checked this today. There's like 4 million. Um, so wow. I always say as long as the, yeah, Shopify as a multi-billion dollar company is still, or the main marketing strategy is still acquiring new merchants. Like as long as the mothership steers in that direction, I'm mm -hmm. confident cranking out new developers. Right. And, and I think that's a good point of distinction, talking a little bit about like we were just talking about with kind of like building your way up and, you know, are these people looking for jobs? And you you mentioning, hey, there's, there's all of these people, yeah, that during layoffs and stuff like that, these very experienced folks, but their salary expectations are going to be way up here. And so all you have to do is come into some place that's reachable. And so understanding, you know, you're not doing that to work, do, do that for forever, right? Like you're doing that to like start stair-stepping up because that's how you get the experience. You might not be getting, you know, that huge big contract right off the bat, but you're going to be working for somebody, getting that experience and learning a lot on the way too. So that's awesome. Carl, you want to take the next one? Sure. And I would just add to that, like, don't see that as a temptation to undervalue yourself when you yeah, approach 100%. a client, whatever, yeah. definitely state your worth. But the reality is if you're a junior developer, just getting started, you're going to be worth, that's a terrible way of saying it, like, be you should realistic. be charging less than a yeah. senior developer, right? And so right. Right. there's, there's more this idea of, for you. Yeah. The, what market value for 
different seniority looks like right. you know it, and exactly. and even the same thing if you've got you know a junior front end developer um and you know a senior back end developer those are going to look vastly different uh with what it when it comes yep. down to what they're going to be able to to bring in and that shouldn't be offensive that should be motivating to try to get to the point where your skills are at that right place. Yeah. also coming with this yeah with a sense of humidity or realism however you yeah want to say it. yeah both of those things right For sure crucial uh, my next question for Jan from a speaker or a speaker, a questioner. This all came from Twitter, I think, too, Jan. Just so you know, there's power in the platform. Oh, there's people. Um, yeah. So, I think some came AI. from LinkedIn, but, you know, that's all right. <laughs> Keep walking with me, Jan. Taylor, right. you, if you ever contradict me again in front of a guest, I will, <laughs> I will end you. No, I'm um, AI. A lot of AI tooling. Even Shopify has the Shopify sidekick thing. In your, from your perspective, as you've been working with developers, how have you seen that impact um, development in Shopify space, either in a positive way or in a negative way? Um, yeah, I would say mostly positive because people are able to mm. learn faster. I mean, you can use ChatGPT as a mentor or as an additional mentor. You can ask them questions and so forth. Um, so that is definitely useful. Um, in yeah. terms of creating fear, there are also some downsides because obviously there's people now who are maybe who don't have an overview in the space and then they think okay is it still worth it to get into coding or is it even worth it to go to like to go for like a computer science degree in the US which might cost 60 to 80,000 right just to like get a bachelor's and then where's all of that in 5 years from here um so yeah i'm i'm not exactly sure i haven't made up my mind completely um i mean there is positives to it and definitely like in terms of becoming more productive and so forth but maybe it's also creating a vacuum of developers that we would actually need in like five years from now. Who knows? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Good point. Um, Solid points. Taylor, you want to take the next one? Yeah. So, and we've touched on this a little bit, so maybe I'll try to get more specific. The, the it, It's kind of a more broad question. Someone submitted just asking about what agency and company pain points are when they're looking for Shopify developers and freelancers and how can... Uh, people who are maybe more junior developers looking to uh, fulfill those roles, how can they show or improve skills to be more marketable to those people? So, so maybe, you know, instead of, you know, cause I, I think that's a good chunk of the, the episode that we've already talked about. So maybe, maybe top three things, if we had to narrow this down where like, these are the three things you should focus on right now. These, these are the problems that we're seeing when they're trying to fill these roles. Uh, and here's the three things that you can do to specifically become more marketable, become more appealing, more hireable in those situations. Uh, what what yes. would you say that would look like? Yeah, this this question comes in pretty handy because coincidentally, I've been talking to quite a few agency owners recently. Nice. Um, so, okay, pain points is, okay, or one, one of the pain points I see is agency owners are looking for people with Shopify experience who already know the platform. I mean, there's mm. like a lot of junior developers with a general understanding of web development, sure. but then they don't know how to build sections, how to like, how does Shopify even work? How is the theme structured? So mm -hmm. yeah, to reduce onboarding times, they're specifically looking for people with Shopify experience. How can you do that? Work on projects, watch YouTube videos, build up your portfolio as we talked earlier. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing might be salary expectations. So if you're someone who's looking to get into like like Google right away and you have this 100K salary expectation and then start as a junior developer at an agency, um, maybe you want to turn that down a little bit, at least for a while. So that's the sense of humility or realism you have to come in or you have to, yeah, you have to bring. Um, and then another pain point, let me think. Mm, I think these were the two, the two most important ones. Um, I think anything else is more like common sense, like, being reliable, being able to work self-motivated, all these kinds of things. But that was not like the, the major pain point. Yeah. And that's, that's good. And going back to like the, the realism, you know, and the humility of not, you know, going in with those really high salary expectations. If you're, it's fine for your ultimate goal to, to be like, maybe you're north into the six figures and those sorts of things. Uh, I'll, I'll admit when I was coming from social work, that was kind of my thought. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pivot to being a developer because they make way better money. I'm seeing all these job postings, and this is like the, you know, what they say they're going to make. Uh, and I did get to, you know, actually interview at a local smaller uh, dev agency that I really liked. I thought they did amazing, great things. They worked with nonprofits, so it was a perfect kind of segue from my social work into that. 
Uh, and when I found out, I actually wouldn't be making much more money <laughs> at all. I'd be making pretty much the same amount of money at that local dev agency that I would as a social worker, at least while I was a junior dev, I was like, well, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to do this anymore, man. Oh, no. And so, yeah, having that humility is really important. I'll be the first to admit, uh, I was, I was uh, not smart or humble enough about that uh, until I actually went through an interview process and talked to people doing the job and hiring. So yeah, 100%. Right. All right, there's two more here. I think we can, I think we got time to get through them both. Uh, I think this one's, I don't know who it's from, probably somebody in Shopify. It feels like a bit of a leading question. So yeah, be, tread carefully here. What is one thing you like or dislike about Shopify Liquid? Ooh. <laughs> um, okay, so what I like is that it's easy to pick up and you can get quite a lot of things done with Liquid, like build dynamic yes. templates. Um, I mean, that's what it's mainly built for. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, then one things or one of the things that I always disliked is that you can't build your own Liquid objects, like we are known or like we're used to from other programming languages, especially if you come from object-oriented programming. Um, mm. So I think that's a little bit limiting potentially. Um, but yeah, more of a nitpick if I have to take some. Of course, I love Liquid. I love <laughs> yeah. We need to get that as a soundbite for the I love liquid by <laughs> That's perfect. That's, That's perfect. That's right. Uh so yeah. good good segue out of uh liquid is talking just just briefly here, because I think, you know, again, I get lots of questions about this, so I I know Jan, you do as well, particularly running the boot camp and those sorts of things, but um, there's this whole back and forth between like headless Shopify development and then native development. And pros and yeah. cons of each. And we definitely don't have enough time to go into the nitty gritty of it all. But how about maybe your the way that you would talk to or approach uh, devs looking into the headless versus native Shopify development? Uh, what what kind of advice do you have just off the cuff about when people are, you know, which way should I go kind of type thing? Yes. Okay. This is interesting. Um. What I want to say first is it's very impressive, like how much engineering goes into like all the headless setups and all mm. the templates that Shopify provides. Um, that is awesome. And obviously there's also quite a bit of marketing around that, right? The, the engineers want to carry that or carry that outward to the world, um, promote all, all these things. But what also happens on the other side is beginners pick up these buzzwords like headless, hydrogen, and so forth. And personally, I think hydrogen setups or headless setups are more suited for enterprise brands because mm -hmm. the development is expensive. You also lose most of the apps on the app store, which makes Shopify like very powerful. And that's why I usually recommend or what I recommend to beginners is to stay away from hydrogen and rather focus on native Shopify because you can get more things done. It's going to be more cost efficient and faster. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you can still look into all of that, but it's probably more something for enterprise brands, agencies, who are also able to lend these clients. So that's my advice. Yeah, Does I think that that's sense? fantastic. Oh. Very kindly <laughs> and well put. Yes. Yeah, I think it's easy to assume that because headless is possible, it's like a superpower that everybody should use, but it's not. Mm. It's a cool thing and it's great in certain cases, but I don't think it should be the de facto consideration for most people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yes. Are we going to get All in right, I think now we're transitioning <laughs> to the... I um, love that consensus. Um, I'm joking, yeah. Thank you, Jan. Uh, we're we're now transitioning into the Taylor Page monologue. This is the section where Taylor talks about listen, the community section and the listen, change log. Listen. I put I put notes in here, so if somebody wants to take a bullet point, uh, you know, feel take free. This first one I will because I know take a bullet. Uh, I'm not taking a bullet. Jan's not on Taylor. Twitter, so he probably didn't see a lot of this happening. I'm gonna share my screen real quick, which is uh, don't worry, I will talk through this for those of you just listening. Uh, but I think it's always helpful while we're talking about some of these to provide some visual uh, elements when possible, right? So um, did want to cover, uh, oh my goodness, this is, this is doing all sorts of things. I mean, the only way I stay so, up to date is Liquid Weekly, obviously. So make sure obviously, to right yes. Okay, thank you, Jan. <laughs> uh, so this is just a, a real quick um, you know, segue. Some of the things that we talked about between Headless and Native Shopify, there's all sorts of folks replatforming to Shopify, uh, native Shopify, even on top of that as well. So yeah. Commenteer is a relatively well-known brand uh, who's just replatformed to Shopify. And guess what? Native, not headless. And so uh, that's something that's really interesting kind of to showcase real quickly. I don't know. Y'all have probably heard of other brands. Uh, they've been talking a lot about other brands on Twitter. 
I don't, I've never heard of half of them, but they're really, really big brands, uh, kind of type thing. Jan, I don't know if you have like a favorite brand that's recently replatformed, but, uh, folks like Supreme and Glossier were both, uh, you know, big, big names relatively recently. Uh, this was just one of the first ones. So I was like, oh, sweet. This is a big brand that I recognize off the bat. Um, so there's, there's and that. By the way, Jan, this is Twitter. I don't know if you've not probably seen it, but this is what it looks like. <laughs> oh. And also wow, we probably should stop calling it Twitter. It's X, right? I'm going to continue to call it Twitter. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I still see the news and so forth. It's not like we're in the storage. Okay, so I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, so another thing here. Here's here's a little thing. Woo. Um, so Shopify has recently um, done away with the uh, previously existing uh, Shopify Expert Marketplace, and they've pivoted uh, to just a directory. So this is kind of just interesting. Uh, for other folks, something to take a look at in the future, um, just because you can take a look uh, at eventually maybe trying to make it onto this uh, directory specifically. So there's this is where other folks can find you. Um, this is an example of a platform. So, uh, right, uh, just another place that you can potentially get services. People can go access these profiles uh, and then reach out individually. In the past with the expert marketplace, it was a little bit more vague, but they do actually have some uh, Shopify partner directory requirements uh, they're actually going to have a little bit of a gateway here for people to be able to get uh, onto the directory uh, as well. So whereas before it was just more of this vague, um, I got lucky when I got in somehow, whatever, years ago kind of type thing. And so uh, that was just uh, something you say is true. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow I slipped in. They actually didn't even know. And then they just couldn't take it back because it was already out. Yeah. So uh, another thing just in the community, this happened a while ago, but I did want to showcase this because I thought this was interesting, but WeCommerce uh, acquired uh, Clean Canvas. So theme provider, um, this is just their website real quick, but uh, so a th big theme provider, they put out some really great themes and those sorts of things. We got a lot of really, really great people working for them, uh, but that wasn't, uh, happened a little bit ago, but I just thought it was really interesting because it's this idea of you know, folks building for Shopify specifically and eventually, you know, getting to this point where they got uh, acquired by a bigger, bigger brand kind of type thing. So thought it was uh, cool. really, really interesting. Yeah. Good for, good for them. That's awesome. I think that's, that's some people's goal and that's awesome. So glad that they, glad that they did that. They're still uh, kicking out killer themes. So as long as they keep doing that, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> okay. And then I don't know if y'all had anything else or whatever. I took the, the notes there uh, for that, but Anybody want to take uh, the change log? I've got a couple items on the change log. I don't know if that piqued anybody's interest there. I see, I see them. I am piqued. Uh, I didn't read any of them. I would just add one. Uh, I saw that Jan, oh, this guy on the internet, he, he posts stuff to MySpace, but uh, he added a video recently about the Shopify CLI, which I thought would be really cool. So, Jan, I'm really glad you did that video because I messed around with the CLI, and it seems like it's changed quite a bit over time. And so uh, you do a very good job of being pretty comprehensive about it. So looking forward to taking it Appreciate to that some more. That. Speaking of which, flow in the CLI. So Taylor, you want to? Yeah. So so go watch Jan's video first. We'll link it up in the show yeah. notes too, in addition to the channel, but specifically the video. Uh, but now we have a lot more options specifically with the CLI and utilizing flow. I, I don't want to get too heavy into this or whatever. I've been digging into flow with a lot of uh, different new use cases uh, and those sorts of things. We in the past we've talked about uh, have this working with an implementation for a free gift with purchase, like after the purchase kind of type thing. So really cool stuff that you can be doing with flow. Uh, if you are an app dev, uh, take a look at the opportunities. I don't see a ton of app devs leveraging flow. Uh, and so there's this option that, you know, if you're a merchant and you're building Sorry. out these flows, which is free again, uh, so Shopify flow is free automation app, uh, for all plans now, uh, basic and up. And so you can actually go in and set this up to where, uh, different apps can have these flows. So I, I think this is really underutilized, especially as flow becomes more and more popular. So definitely check this out. I think that this will be uh, super, super helpful. And then, oh boy, I hope we haven't lost Jan. Jan, are you still there? Oh uh, yeah. I, got I think I'm this. back. I actually got kicked um, out for so one second. Jan, uh, Hopefully we are, we're not experiencing some technical difficulties here. Uh, some new yes, uh, fields are available for Shopify functions as well. Um, something that was interesting too, I think that we've run into, I think there's up to 50 functions you can utilize per app. I might be wrong about that, uh, but I thought that there was a lot of back and forth there on this. So uh, just check this out uh, with being able to utilize some additional fields here. 
this is something that uh, is going to continue to be built up with functions as it becomes more and more popular, uh, which I don't know if you saw that. We did get an extension on scripts being, uh, you know, sunset or whatever uh, to 2025. So we've got, got a bit more time there. Uh, App Store listings are now also automatically translated into eight languages. So that was something that seemed to create a lot of positive buzz here as well in the change log. Uh, I thought that that was a really nice update for uh, app devs as well. A little bit less work, uh, hopefully a little bit more surface area for them as well as they're uh, getting into uh, working with uh, folks in other areas. Circling back to Flow real quick, and it does appear that he temporarily lost Jan, so don't panic, people. I'm sure he's fine. We'll, we'll get him back. Um, yeah. Can you guys, can you guys Flow, hear me, by one the thing way? to call out there is when I was doing that migration that I alluded to earlier, when I get to redo it a second time, the yeah. second time I did it, I started getting all these errors that I had not seen the first time around. It's like, what is going on? And there were these really obscure Shopify order something errors. And what it ended up being was the customer had added a Flow in between the time I had done the first migration, the second migration, that was automatically um, putting on hold orders that had notes in the orders. Oh. And so I had no idea, like, where is this? It took me a while to figure out that, oh, there actually is some intervention going on the order as it's being imported through Matrixify. So just file that one away. If you ever get into a situation like that, it's always good to check. Are there any flows in place that could be um, messing with what you're trying to do in the store? Oh, that's a good thought. Uh, too many, one of those uh, instances of too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, or the importance of communications with teams <laughs> there, because that's that's always the worst uh, when you're trying to hack on something and, you know, someone else has made a change and you can't figure out why. Um, All right. Uh -oh. um, can yeah, anybody, he says he's here. Can you, I can't <laughs> see or hear you. I can't see or hear him either. Uh, it might just be that it's recorded on that side, but. Um, yeah. Jan, I don't know if you want to leave, uh, or, you know, just hop off and then hop right back on. If we'll be able to get you that yeah. way. Um, cause Riverside. he could still hear us. We couldn't see or hear him. So, which means the recording was probably preserved, but it's not going to be helpful if, uh, if we can't see or hear him That's either. Right. So can you guys see me now? Um, it's, uh, it's, there he hey, is. finally, <laughs> yeah, I was here. I mean, I got kicked out for one second and then I was here like as a ghost, I was, talking oh, no. i was hearing i was but i couldn't do anything yeah oh, sorry about that. sorry yeah. no worries um well now the most interesting part of the whole podcast the pick of the week i think so i'll go first um i recently came across an article about uh, i don't know if, if it's pronounced tinnitus or tinnitus people that get that ringing in their ears oh, you know tinnitus, what i'm talking about yeah, mm -hmm. tinnitus, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, i have that uh, may have been due to some youthful indiscretion that I won't go into in this conversation. But uh, anyway, someone had shared an article about some treatment things, and they mo mentioned this website that I ran to years ago and forgot about, but it's called MyNoise.net. And what this person has done, they put together a whole bunch of soundscapes, like, you know, jungle forest at night or rainy day cafe kind of thing. And it gives you a soundboard as well, so you can sort of customize the different things along with it. Um, so that's a Sounds good one nice. to check out. If you need some nice background music either for working or if you do have tonight <laughs> to help you with that too. So it's a side. All right. Jan, how about you? What's what's your your pick of the week? Anything as My... calming as as Carl's suggestion? No, it's the com it's the complete opposite. Um, so every barista is gonna hate me for that, <laughs> but my pick of the week is gonna Ooh. be instant coffee. If you haven't tried that before, I mean, it tastes a bit like gas station coffee, <laughs> but that stuff gets me going in the morning, that is for sure. And uh, if you're a developer <laughs> and then coding, I mean, have a, have, a, have a cup of coffee, have a cup of instant coffee and just get, get to work. That's my pick of the week. See, I, I just I anticipated you would have some like complicated coffee yeah. setup or something. Uh, so I, I, I personally am a fan of, you know, I've got coffee in the so instant. Is there a certain kind of type brand or whatever that you prefer? Um, and by instant, I mean, it's like you just dump it in it's, hot water. It's, and it's like ready powder to rock and or... hot water. It's like it's not even like okay. a filter or anything. It's just... <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, as I said, every just I mean, straight, yeah, it's straight caffeine. Okay. I mean, everyone okay. has, a, yeah. has has their own preferences, right? I mean, you're European. Yeah. Anyway, you're no, supposed no, to no have like good food. food. I think it's just Nescafe or something. I don't even know if that's yeah, a thing in America. Uh, probably it okay. is. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to try some now because we have we have a uh, I don't know my as as time has gone on my 
coffee setup has gotten much more complicated, you know, or whatever. And so my, my, my brother-in-law and my sister, they're very, very, very educated on coffee. And I, I never really cared about coffee. I just got whatever was at the grocery store, but he made a cup of coffee for me one time and it was just so fantastic. I was like, this is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And so now I'm just always trying to like do whatever they're doing for coffee. So now I, I use like a, like a Chemex and do the pour over thing or whatever, but I'm going to have to try the instant stuff because that actually sounds quite wonderful compared to the additional right. time. I would probably things in life, right? <laughs> you know, when it comes to people that drink coffee, there's two categories of those sort of people. There's the people that drink coffee. Then there's the insufferable people that drink coffee and Taylor, you are on the slippery slope. I'm, becoming... insufferable. I'm, yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the, yeah. Cause I've, you know, I turned my nose at Folgers I, or Maxwell house. I will not drink it, but you're not uh, going to like still... what Jan is. I'll still drink like Duncan or well, there's some gas station coffees that are great. So I mean, I'm willing to give it a try. So if right. and if you, anything Jan's recommending, I'm on board. I'm gonna try it. So I'm, a, yeah, I'm just gonna 10x my blue. development capabilities because Jan recommended it. So disgusting. Uh, All right, Taylor. So my my pick of the week is uh, this shirt that I'm wearing. So this is the most comfortable T-shirt that I own. Uh, it's from a fellow developer uh, and friend of mine named David. And he runs a brand called Rainier Watch. It's on Shopify. And, uh, but I don't know, at a certain point, he had just posted, he was having a great year and he was like really close to, you know, like his hundredth or thousandth order. I can't remember. Those are big number differences or whatever, but I'm so, I don't know. I can't remember. He was right <laughs> under, order I, think it was, I think it was under his thousandth order for the, and so I was like, all right, well, like, I'm going to help him get there. You know, I'm going to support my friend. I'm going to buy this t shirt or whatever. And, you know, I got some stickers and some other stuff or whatever. And, I, I wear it multiple times a week now because it's the most comfortable t-shirt that I own. And so it's, it's more expensive. Like, I don't know. I think we talked about this Carl, like with, well, you with socks, like buy cheap socks or whatever. <laughs> and I, I'm usually like that. I get mad if I have to spend more than $10 on a t-shirt. And so this thing was like 30 some bucks or whatever kind of type thing. I was like, ah, or whatever. I'm supporting a buddy, but now I'm like, ah, dang it. I'm gonna have to get five more of these stupid things because it's so freaking comfortable. Uh, and I, you know, I can't just wear it every day. And so a uh, very comfortable t-shirt. We'll link it up or whatever. Um, you know, go check it out. Part of the money that he does gives back to uh, national parks in the area. He's out in uh, Seattle and stuff like that. So um, I don't even think I'm saying it right. I think I say Rainier, but I think it's Rainier. I don't know. Uh, so someone can correct me. I'm not going to correct you. Just... It's yeah. I bought it because uh, yeah, he's, he's a friend. wanted to be supportive. And, uh, but it's, it's yeah, it's the most comfortable t-shirt that I own. So it's fantastic. Uh, but there you go. T-shirt. All right. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Jan, stick around for a minute, and we'll have our little after podcast well, party. And Jan, as far as uh, yeah, where 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 do people need to go to learn more about Jan to support you? Oh, that's right. All this Thank fun you. stuff we've talked about this, the podcast or the the YouTube channel, but like, tell us where do they need to go? How do people learn the most and support support you for all the amazing knowledge that you provide to the Shopify community? Yes. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, probably YouTube would be the, the easiest entry point and otherwise just connect on LinkedIn. Um, I'll be posting a bit more over the next few weeks. And yeah, I would also say thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, thanks for the invite. This was such a vibe. And um, yeah, wish you all the best with the podcast. Happy to promote it. Um, and yeah, again, thanks for the invite. Awesome. Don't forget to send us your GeoCities link and your MySpace profile page too, so we can make sure people know. <laughs> just give me a hard time yeah it was really great to have you thanks for taking time to be with us uh, we yes, obviously you. have benefited so much from what you put on youtube and uh, the benefit you've been to the community so thanks thank you so yeah. much